This is the Fearless Agent Podcast, where you learn how to make way more money fast selling real estate with your host, the fearless agent himself, Bob Leffler. Good day to you. This is Bob here at the Fearless Agent Podcast for real estate sales professionals like you, where we explain why everything you've been taught by the entire real estate industry is wrong, and you will make lots more money in way less time by doing the exact opposite. Once again, I am joined by my lovely co-host, Patty Crowley. Hi, everyone. She's also my partner in this little... uh, little business we got here. Business. So, uh, Patty, are you having a good day? I'm having a great day, Bob. It's easier that way, isn't it? It is easier. So, last time we talked about pricing. This time we're going to be talking about pricing and doing the the current market analysis because everybody does those wrong in real estate because we're trained by idiots for some reason. What is that all about? I I can't figure it out. So, uh, we always start with the headline of the day. Right. So did you hear about the guy in France? There's a man in France who is living with 400 reptiles. Did you hear about that? Guy? No, I didn't. And ladies, he's still single. Can you believe it? Go figure. <laughs> who knew? Okay. That's enough. That's enough of the infotainment. <laughs> All right. So uh, so last night, last time we were here, we were talking a little bit about doing the CMA. And I just wanted to talk about some um, – other things that affect value. So when when the appraiser does a uh, – basically, they do what we're supposed to do and they make adjustments either up or down. And if your subject property is worse than, then you subtract value from the comp. And if it's better than, like more bedrooms than or more square footage than – the comp, you would add value because you're trying to make the comp like yours. So, so uh, I like to do. I like rules of thumb. You like rules of I thumb. I do like rules of thumb. Makes it easier. Uh, like uh, a bad room addition in oh. a bad neighborhood is a pretty good thing. I don't know why. <laughs> that's all that. But if you're in the hood, a bad room addition—it's eh, not such a bad. Lots thing. of room additions in Chicago, Bob. Yeah. I don't see that many so, out here. Well, they if you go to the that's because you didn't grow up in the hood like me. <laughs> but I would I would I would use this caution. So if you if you have a listing, and let's say it has a uh, this is a very common one in older neighborhoods, they will enclose the garage and turn that into a room, and now there is no covered parking. Okay, right. horrible. Uh, but now. You know, in Chicago, the house would be under eight feet of snow. Right. In Arizona, if you touch the car, you could fry bacon on the hood. You know, it would be very, very hot. So not having covered parking of some type would be a bad thing in either place. So uh, if you list a house and it was 1,500 square feet to start with, they enclosed the two-car garage. Now there's an extra 400 square feet, so that is now a 1,900-square-foot house. Or is it? Or is it? it That's really, the question. Dun, dun, dun. No, it really isn't. It's actually a 1,500-square-foot with a mm-hmm. crappy room addition is what that is. So when I listed those houses, I would list it as a 1,500-square-foot house. And then I would also – say in the remarks that the seller is willing to reconvert 
to the garage. Okay. Now the seller was not willing to do that because I wasn't, I wasn't willing to allow it. But I would list it as a two-car garage because he was willing to convert it and a 1,500-square-foot house. So what happens if you don't do it that way is – and by the way, people would buy the house. They would never ask to have the seller convert it because they thought, oh, the house is much bigger. So one of two things is going to happen. Either the seller – the buyer is looking for 1,900-square-foot house. So they typed in 1,800 square feet plus, and they're out looking at big houses. And then – this one is a 1,500-square-foot house, and they go, oh, this isn't a 1,900-square-foot house. This is a piece of crap, right? Because everything is smaller in a 1,500-square-foot house. The kitchen is smaller. The bedrooms are smaller. So they are unpleasantly surprised. So if you list it as a 1,500-square-foot house, and then they see that room addition, they go, oh, it's bigger. And they're pleasantly oh, surprised. this is good. And then they forgot that it doesn't have a two-car garage, but it shows up as invisible in the search. So when you sit down with the buyer, you have to think about how the MLS works. The buyer sits down with an agent, and Patty, the agent, says, uh, would you be okay with a carport or do you need a garage? No matter what they say, my house would be invisible because I have neither, have neither a carport or a garage. So I'm invisible to 99% of the buyers. So that kills me in the value of the house in lost buyers well beyond the loss of the parking or whatever that would cost. So, so always make sure you're advertising it at the older, smaller way than, than they're pleasantly surprised. So another, another thing is uh, – busy streets. So uh, there was a luxury neighborhood called Clearwater Hills. Do you know where that is? I don't know. In Paradise Valley. Lovely, lovely neighborhood. And uh, so these are all acre lots. You must be a multimillionaire to live in Paradise Valley. There There are no lots less than an acre. There is no commercial zoning. So there are no gas stations. There are no convenience stores in the entire town. So it's millionaires only and, you know, swanky, you know, movie stars and that kind of stuff live there. So this house that I list is one of those houses, but it sides up to a very busy street, which happens to be Tatum Tatum Boulevard. So Tatum Boulevard has a median down the middle, and then it has two lanes one way on one side and two lanes the other way on the other side of the median. So this is a seriously busy street. Uh, and it's not a through street. It kind of dead ends on both ends of it, you know, many miles away. But still, it's a very busy street. So it's not like you wouldn't hear road noise. Now, it's an acre lot, so your house is well off of the busy street. It's not like your window's right up against it. So the question is, Obviously, you don't add value for that. You would subtract value. So what kind of a hit do you think it would take on a busy street like that? So the, when you think about it, if I'm a multimillionaire, I don't need to live on a busy street. Right. I can afford to not live on a busy street. So it's a bigger hit than you would think. So literally in that price range, it would probably be – 30%. You know, it's wow. a big, okay. a big, big, big hit. So what if my house backs up to a busy street 
that's better than facing the busy street. If it sides up to the busy street, that's probably better than, you know, facing, facing it, it. But it's it'd be better to back to it. So you you have to take all those things into consideration, and then, um, but I would I would do it as a percentage. Another thing that people don't get, and I would have everybody draw a little a uh, little diagram for this. So lot size. Now some lots are bigger than others. So draw a road going left to right. So a little road, and then there's a little you know dot 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 down the middle of the road. So there's your street. Not a busy street, just a street. Now draw a square lot. Okay, that faces that street, and then next to that draw a deeper than square lot. So rectangular, same width as the square lot, but deeper. Okay. So here's a little rule of thumb. I'm going to show it to Patty. So, okay. So a a tall, you know, rectangular lot. So here's a little tip. The, the value in the lot goes like this. Cut the, cut your, your, lot into thirds, that tall lot. So divide it into thirds. So there's three thirds. So you have the back third and the front third that's on the street. 70% of the value is in the first third closest to the street. Okay. 20% of the value is in the second third. And then 10% of the value, hopefully that adds up to 100 but but that's the way that works. That back end of the lot is worth less. It is worth nothing. The squarer the lot is, the more valuable all of the lot is. But those long rectangular lots. Now, if it was rectangular the other way and you had more frontage on the road, that would make it better. But odd-shaped lots are never good. So the the squarer the lot is, the more valuable it is. So if somebody says, well, I have a much bigger lot than that guy next door. Well, the guy next door has a square lot, and you have this narrow long lot, and it's worth considerably less. So little things like that can throw people off. And then the other thing to keep in mind is every house has negatives, and every house has positives. So when you're doing the the market analysis, you know, your subject property has some positives and it has some negatives. Never underestimate the value of the negative and never overestimate the value of the positive because people will fixate on the negatives, right. you know, like, like you have giant uh, power lines that make that sizzling sound. You know, right behind the house, and then of course the seller says, "Oh, that never bothered me." While she's burping her three-eyed <laughs> baby, right? So that's a no big deal. Never bothered me. So anything that you think is a negative, give it a bigger, a bigger hit than you think it would be. So when the other thing that we do as fearless agents is we focus on the actives. You have to compete with the other houses that are for sale. So I would literally completely not even look at sold comps at all would be fine. The sold comps, again, would tell me, oh, I'm in the $500,000 price range, not the two hundred right. and not the million. Right. It would get it's me in the ballpark. But if – so every, this is how fearless agents do their, their search. So draw um, arrows going up, down, right, and left, north, south, 
east and west, okay? So do your search 10 miles to the north, 10 miles to the south, 10 miles to the west, 10 miles to the east. But, Bob, I'm two miles from the beach. Okay. Still do the search that way. You just have underwater houses. It's no big deal. (laughs) So 10 miles north, 10 miles south, 10 miles east, 10 miles west. Now, that way you're pulling in from where the one buyer on planet Earth willing to pay more for your listing is looking. Okay. You don't know that you're on the very southern end of their search. You're, you don't know that you're on the very western end of your search. Again, your subject property is not the epicenter of the universe, only it is to you and that seller. So the, you're trying to get that buyer is looking. So uh, most of you who are listening, think of, think of the house you're living in, okay? So I'm living in a house. What was... When I bought my house, I was out looking at houses with a realtor. I was the realtor, but you still, realtor, I was. Yeah. yeah. But I was out looking at houses. Did I look at any houses that were ten miles away? No, I didn't happen no. to. But a lot of a lot of buyers do, and uh, you know, like agents or buyers will say, uh, "Say, Bob, you know, we're thinking about buying a house in Scottsdale." but we would consider buying a house in Phoenix. And then I would always say, well, then you're going to buy a house in Phoenix. And they go, well, why is that? I go, because Scottsdale is reserved for people who would never and pay anything not to live in Phoenix. Yeah, I'm a Scottsdale snob. You get it? Okay. Yes, you are. No, that's just a little fun. But I, but I was looking in a very smaller area, but it's still, I did look at houses five miles away. So, and many of you looked at houses 20 miles away. So you're doing do your 10-mile 10, 10 search, and then you're looking for all – so you put in the features of – so we'll do a fictitious house here, okay? Do you have a listing right now we can talk about? Sure. Okay. Yes. okay. Let's do yours. Okay. All right. So how many square feet is it? 1,600. Okay. So with that, I would look for all the houses in a 10-mile radius that are active that are 1,500 square feet or bigger. Okay, because the 100 square feet, you really couldn't tell the difference. Okay, the layout would make it look the same maybe. So all the way up to a million square feet. Then I would look for how many bedrooms does yours have? Three. Okay, then I would look for three bedrooms all the way up to a million bedrooms. Now let's say yours had five bedrooms. Then I would – five is – not too many people say I must have five bedrooms. So maybe I would put in four bedrooms or greater if that was the case. Uh, but in this case, I would not put in two bedrooms or greater because th- three is literally these days almost functionally obsolete. Uh, if they uh, – what are the, is it wh- – tell me about the parking. Two-car garage, carport, um, what do you got? Covered car – yeah, carport. Carport? Carport. Not a garage. Okay. No. So I would put in two-car covered parking of any kind or greater, which would be three-car carport. Two-car garage, three-car garage, nine-car garage. And then uh, is it two-story or one-story? Two-story. It's fifteen hundred. It's 1,600 square feet and it's two-story? It's a townhouse. Okay. So this is two Holiday Inn Express hotel rooms stacked on top of each other. This is total crap. Yes. <laughs> but I'm just saying. You know, I'm just saying. So then you would do – then you would look for – we're looking for equal to or greater than. So worse than would be three-story. 
So you are looking at single-level houses and two-level houses. And it's a townhouse, Mm -hmm. not a single-family home. So you would look for townhouses and single-family homes, not manufactured homes, not mobile homes. Right. Containerized living is what I'm talking about. Houses with hubcaps. Patty, that's what I'm talking about. Okay. Not that we're judging. I've never heard Not that. Not that one. we're judging, no. 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 So, um, you know, in the trailer parks, people say things like, my, my daddy married his sister, but it didn't hurt oh. me none. No, I'm just kidding. I, I okay. joke. Okay. I joke. Okay. okay. So then, what other features do you have that I should know about? Um, let's see. Covered, a really nice covered patio. Kitchen's updated a little bit. I'm going to leave out the condition stuff. Okay, okay I think no we, condition. I think we got it. I think everything. you have a, Yeah, there's okay. really nothing else. So it's equal to or greater than. Then what I'm going to do is do my search with a ceiling price. Now, what happens to be the asking price of your townhouse? 265 Okay, so I would I would start at 300 if I thought it was going to end up about 265 I would start at 300 and search all the way down to zero and see how many pop up in the search. Okay, so it's equal to features or greater than less than three hundred asking price actives only, not pendings, not any mm-hmm. anything else. So let's say fifty show up, then I would go to two seventy five, and let's say thirty show up, then I'd go to two fifty, and let's say ten show up, then I go to two sixty five. I want about twenty to show up. Then I'm okay. going to print them out on paper, and then we're going to stack them up. In order of price. Now you must, M-U-S-T must, no doubt about it, can't do it any other way, it must be on paper. You cannot do this on the computer screen. It just I do don't that. I work print them all that out and way. look at them. And because Patty is kind of old school. In fact, she's old. Not old. Yeah. So um, <laughs> I'm older. Okay. You're older. Patty, you played with Lincoln Logs when you were a kid, right? Um, they were a little before my time, Bob. Well, I played with Lincoln. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm pretty old. So the um, you stack them up, and then you look at the cheapest one is now on the top, and then you ask yourself this question. If both of these were free, my subject property was free, and this cheapest comp on the top was free, and all I cared about was the future appreciation value, and and I have to live in it, let's say, but I'm willing to live in the subject comp, the subject one. Uh, which would I rather have for free? Now, probably on that cheapest one, you go, oh, that's obvious. I'd rather have the uh, subject property. So you, what do you do? That's exactly what I do. Okay. Yeah. So that goes away. And then you keep going through the list like that. And now when you get to the one where you say, you know, on that one, it's kind of a tie. Or on that one, I'm not really sure which I'd rather have for free. Or if you say, I definitely would rather have the comp for free, then that's the one. Now, then you take a look at that one and you circle all the differences. So you read through the remarks. You know, it says, oh, new kitchen. If that's different than yours, you would circle that. So you circle all the all the differences in features. And if yours has something different that you know of, then you would write it in and then circle that. So you know the differences. If it's better, if the difference is better uh, than yours, then you, if, or if yours is worse than the comp, the circled item, then you would put a minus sign. 
and then you assign a dollar value for that. Now, condition stuff really isn't worth any money, okay? So if I put in a $35,000 kitchen, I'd be lucky if I got $5,000 of that back because it's not the color cabinets I wanted. It's not, you know, it's new and it's nicer, but the other kitchen had value. We tore that out. So it's really not, you know, like you put in new flooring. It's not the color I don't even like. I like carpet. You like wood. I don't, you know, everybody's different. So they, you have to devalue that. But condition stuff, I give a kind of a plus mark and like a thousand each or something like that. And then I'm adding to, and the square footage is 35 bucks a square foot at the most. And then I make my adjustments. Then I come out with, let's say, two, um, let's say I come up with uh, 246, okay, after I've made my adjustments. Now, how long has that comp been on the market? Now, if the comp has been on the market for two days or seven days, that doesn't tell me anything. But what if it's been on the market for 37 days? Well, then I know it ain't worth 246. There's no possible way it's worth 240. And it could be worth 235, but there's no evidence of that. So I know I would have to be priced below 235. So that's a pretty good guess of fair market value. Now, if it's been on the, ho- on the market for 200 days, then I know it couldn't possibly be worth 225. It could be worth 200, but there's no evidence of that, mm-hmm. right? So that's that's kind of the way you do that. So if you do, if you do your market analysis is that way, uh, you come up with better. What, do you have any questions on pricing in general, Patty? While I drink general. coffee. She's going, oh, my gosh, I should have wrote down a question. I should have written down a question. But, you know, it's, it's probably the toughest thing. The listeners could call in. They could call Well, this in. isn't live, oh, so they can't okay, call yeah. in. They could call in. We just won't be here. Yeah. 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 No, that was, that was my answer. We talked about it in the last podcast was really coming up with um, the sweet spot because I, that was always my biggest problem was pricing. Right. I was always overpricing. Yeah, you know why um, that happens is because – yeah, yeah. People are not objective. The The pricing is seductive, okay? So the seller, uh, when you ask them the million-dollar question, I notice this with my coaching students. Let's say that the, the – well, on this one, did you ask the million-dollar question of your seller? Yes. What was their answer? Um, they said 260. Okay. What's it listed at today? 265. Okay. Mistake. <laughs> so what was your guess at fair market value? I I honestly thought fair market value was going to be 275. Okay. When I so, looked at the well, do you think they were now it's on the market today? It's under contract. How many days was it on the market? Um 7 days before we were under contract. Okay, on the the last 3 days it was active. How many showings did you have? The last three days before mm-hmm. it went under contract, um, we were getting two to three showings a day. Okay. So you were under – so you were probably right then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So what normally happens with a coaching call from a student is they say, I have this listing and I say, what was the seller's answer to the million-dollar question? And they say, 280. I go, Okay. So the question is, if you were going to win a million dollars by guessing correctly, what price realistically do you think a buyer would pay for your house? And the seller says, uh, probably 280 Okay. Now, 
if people were objective, the sellers would be wrong every time, but they would be wrong half the time high and half the time low. Interesting. If they were objective, mm-hmm. right? 50 right. 50. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, they're not they're wrong. Not objective, yeah. They're not wrong half the time low, are they? They're no. wrong low about once in every thousand years. Right. So the 280, we know that's high. Now, when I say to the coaching student, what, what was your opinion of fair market value? And they say, well, I thought it was worth about 270. Well, I know they had the seller's price in their head yes. when they were doing the CMA, and that swayed them up or down. Up, yes, that's correct. And they're not objective. So agents, when they are guessing at fair market value, they are not wrong half the time low, are they? No, no. no, So I know that if the seller's million-dollar question answer is 280 and the the agent's opinion of fair market value, which would get them one showing a day, would be 270, I know it's probably 250. That usually Mm -hmm. is – I'm usually right about that. Okay. So – Again, the objective de- definition of fair market value is one showing a day and uh, that no one could really argue otherwise. And if you say, well, I've got sold comps and I say, well, yeah, but the market goes down you know, and the market goes up too. Mm-hmm. And the sold comps don't reflect that because that was a snapshot in time and you would never know when the market started going down. In 2008, nobody ever saw it coming. So let's do a shameless plug, shall we, Patty? Let's do it. So, uh, you know, the question is, do you, uh, uh, do you belong to a gym? I do. Now, I belong to a gym. Actually, I go to a gym. I really don't belong there. You know what I'm talking about? I I really don't belong there. But do people belong in Fearless Agent? That's the question. So here's how you would know. If you are earning less selling real estate than you wish you were, and you are open to the idea of having some help with that, and you're not crazy weird, your situation is kind of normal, then uh, if you would like to learn more, you might be a great fit. And the way you do it is you call me anytime at 480-385-8810. That is my cell phone number. And we will see if you and what you're trying to do in your real estate career and what we do at Fearless Agent, if it would be a good fit. And I love talking to realtors, so I don't want you to think you're bothering me at all. Don't email me. Don't text me. Just pick up the phone and call because that's a better sales habit. 480-385-8810. And also, uh, please go to fearlessagent.tv. Hit the subscribe button. And that would be better coaching for free than you would pay any other coach in America any amount of money for. That's my guarantee. And then if you go to fearlessagentpodcast.com and subscribe if you haven't already. And we would love it if you gave us a five-star review of this podcast. And once again, we want to thank you. Patty, thank you for being here. You're welcome. It's It's more fun with Patty here. Everybody says that. Uh, (laughs) not here. They say it out on the road. I don't know what that's all about. But once again, we want to thank you for joining us today. Please do visit us at fearlessagent.com and you can always call me directly once again, 480-385-8810. And until next week, what do we always do? Have fun. Have fun. You must have fun. Be humble. And be fearless. And be fearless. Bye, gang. Bye.